0: This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, Session 94, and the quote of the day is from Jack Dempsey, who said, a champion is one who gets up even when he can't. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals, information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And this session is brought to you by Boso Bamboo Drumsticks, the first full line of bamboo drumsticks. And if you want to save yourself 15% off your entire order, head over to bosodrumsticks.com and use the promo code PODCAST. And like I said, that'll save you 15% off your entire order. Let's get into this interview. Today I have Jimmy Keegan Who is the current drummer for Spock's Beard But he's also played with Santana and multiple other people And he's also had a career as a musician in his childhood TV shows and things like that He's also done voiceover work So very, very interesting guy So I'm really excited to have him on the show And the way that I met Jimmy is he actually emailed me And told me that he was a fan of the podcast Which was awesome to see And I said, man, I'm a fan of yours too So we should get together And uh, I should get you on the podcast So here we are mr jimmy keegan and as a quick disclaimer we had a little bit of of technical difficulties with the internet so at some points it breaks up uh so i apologize about that but that was the best connection that we could get for this interview so it's not horrible but um it's not as good as i'd hoped uh in terms of the of the sound quality so i apologize about that but let's get into this interview jimmy what's going on man thanks so much for doing this i appreciate it
1: oh my pleasure
0: it's uh, it's great to have you. And I want to thank you, uh, for you know, you just out of the blue email me to tell me that you enjoy the the Ed Sof podcast, and I really appreciate that. And you know, it was kind of it was nice to just hear from someone like you to say, hey man, I dig it, and and that was it, no ulterior motive or anything like that. So I appreciate that. Thank you.
1: Oh man, well you know I appreciate the the interview and I appreciate the site. I mean that's that's the beauty of technology today and the whole this whole internet craze that's come up here recently.
0: It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it?
1: uh, yeah. I mean, something like Facebook or any of these social media things, you know, one buddy mentions something and, you know, it's a big world. There's a lot of things that go on and, you know, in one town that, you know, like, you know, you live in New York. Oh, there's all this life in New York that, you know, it's kids over here. in LA, We never get to see and vice versa. So it's right. great when someone can say something like that. And I go, Hey, what is that? And then right. Before I know it, I'm part of that whole life.
0: Right. That's awesome.
1: And you, you can't beat that. So.
0: You know, the thing I love is that so many people from all over the world listen to I get emails all the time like, hey, man, I, you know, I listen to the I listen to your podcast. And I'm from Australia or I'm from, you know, New yeah. Zealand or uh, I'm from here. And I'm like, man, I just exactly. put that podcast up 20 minutes ago. You know, so it's yeah, a, exactly. <laughs> right. it's pretty amazing.
1: Winding down your day, okay, I'm finally going to bed. And they're just coming, you know, just waking up. It's so like, right. oh, cool, something to do.
0: Exactly, exactly. So I always like to get a bit of backstory um, on my guests, and as the listeners know, because I, I like to, to get inside of it, because everybody has a different story. So just tell, tell the listeners who you are and, and what you do.
1: Uh, well, you know, Jimmy Keegan, obviously, uh, we covered that. Um, grew up in Los Angeles, in the, the San Fernando Valley part of Los Angeles. Um, big family and the youngest of eight kids, uh, one of my sisters, Cindy, uh, sang a little bit, but otherwise not a musical family in terms of playing, but a very musical family in terms of listening. And Mm. with this huge family, I had music around me all the time and all kinds of music at any given time. You know, Elton John was the constant, but it would go any direction from like Johnny Mitchell to Genesis to to the Sex Pistols, to the Ramones, the Clash, to, you know, K. Rogers, to Don Thummer, you know, all that in one house. I'm mm-hmm. um, about eight years old and my, my brother Dennis just above me brought in The Song Means the Same. And I went, oh, that's what I'm going to do.
0: <laughs> right.
1: It was, it was so obvious to me. I mean, and, and how many other drummers, you know, heard that, saw that movie or heard that record You know, it was my version of the Beatles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, So I started hitting anything I could, and somewhere along the lines, my family started to realize, wow, he actually can do this. Uh, A strange little twist of fate. uh, I found myself with a drum set. Um, It involved actually cracking my head open and suing a company, and (laughs) that money allowed me to buy a drum set. What?
0: I got to hear this. I wish I I was
1: kidding. No, I I I was running to go swimming and you know neighborhood pool kind of thing, and someone shouted, you know, last one of the pools a rotten egg. Right. And I was in front, so okay. Well, I was all of you know six, five or six years old, and I'm not going to be that rotten egg. And I, this company was building a fence in this family's backyard, and instead of putting up little signs, they just put a piece of, you know, wire string across the across the sidewalk to block people from, you know, they're hauling bricks back and forth. Right. And I caught it with my neck. Oh. And it threw me up in the air and I landed on the back of my head. So. Wow. From that, it gave me the, it it gave us the money to get me a drum set. I got a drum set and that would have been October. Uh, I turned 10 in November, February. I, I auditioned for a TV show. And got it. Really? And I was the real kids drummer. There was a show in the 80s called Real People, which is sort of the predecessor to uh, this whole, you know, uh, reality television stuff. Right. So they did a version of it for kids, and I was the real kids drummer. We had a little band, it was me and River Phoenix. <laughs> really? And nice. uh, a great piano player named Chris Dawson, and uh, it was River and his sister, Rain. And Hmm. so, yeah, we we were the real kids band and we did commercial send offs and stuff like that. And just just as you do. And uh, I was 10.
0: So how like how did you how did you develop the skill that fast? I was just Um,
1: I think it was just, you know, my my family was never a family that said you can't. It was always one of those things where it was like, yeah, all right. Right. And my dad was one of those people that could kind of do. He was a physicist by training. You know, he majored in physics in, in school. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was one of those guys that if something interested him, he'd just do it. Right. He, he you know, he had a pilot's license. He had, a, a, uh, or not a pilot's license. I'm sorry. He was a, an airframe mechanic. He was a, a, an electronics engineer. He was, a, you know, you name it. He kind of oh, that's interesting. I'd be curious to see if I could do that. And he'd do it. So <laughs> nice. with that kind of that kind of feeling around you at all times, um, uh, and, and a mother that, that defined patience, again, I'm the youngest of eight kids. So yeah, she
0: definitely needed some patience for that.
1: Yeah, it just became one of those things where, you know, when I decided I wanted to do it, for some reason it just clicked. I could just do it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't, I'm, I wasn't doing, you know, double bass and, and polyrhythms and stuff like that, but I mean, I could play time and I could do fills and, and you know, I knew where the snare drum was supposed to go. And it, coincidentally, my parents went to church with Chuck Flores. Hmm. Um, Chuck Flores, uh, you know, Woody Herman's drummer, mm-hmm. uh, was one of the, sti- uh, I believe he still is, is a teacher over at uh, MI here in L.A. He was one of the founders of that. So he was, you know, a, an L.A. staple, just happened to go to church with my folks. He was my first drum teacher. Wow. And it's like, okay, it looks like Jim can do this. Let's send him over to Chuck. Right. And he dove right in. He didn't waste any time with me. He got me on independence right away. Um, You know, the whole bit of, you know, doing a pattern with the right hand, a pattern with the right foot, pattern with the left foot, you know, jazz pattern kind of thing, and then read the page with the left hand. Right, right. Switch, do the the ride pattern with the left hand and read the page with the right hand. Mm Mm-hmm. That was it's like one. long,
0: long and short notes and, and then starting to move that stuff around.
1: Yeah, it's just just the whole thing of, you know, of sort of what the, the Gary Chester book would go on to do. You know mm-hmm. what Dave Weckl did with that whole thing. And, right. And, you know, however many other drummers. But, That's such um, a
0: such a good book, man.
1: Oh, yeah. I love it. But, but any great book like that. I mean, even syncopation is that kind of thing where mm-hmm. it's like the best the best books are convertible. Right. You can you can read it down one way and uh get something out of it, and then you change your approach to how it's seen and how it's read and before you know it, a <laughs> whole new book
0: right i actually i have a uh a book that I wrote called stick control variations and it's just taking stick control, and then you know I created eleven different exercises to play with stick control yeah um, so then like using the r's to represent one thing and using the l's to represent another thing, and now all of a sudden you have a million new exercises.
1: Right. That's, you know. that's exactly it. So that's what he started me on right off the top. Um, I studied with him for a little over a year, and then we moved. And I ended up working with a guy named Scott Frankfurt, who is now uh, a studio owner in L.A. and is a rep for Omnisphere, you know, the keyboard company. Right. But he's a killer drummer and was a great teacher. And the first thing that he got into me was holding the drumstick right. Mm -hmm. i was getting calluses and all kinds of wacky things in my hands so he immediately just pushed technique with me right um but not just technique that was just that was the start he also got me on the idea of things like you know why are the why are the rudiments so important the way he approached it Mm -hmm. because you know 10 years old 11 years old i just wanted to play you know, enough of that. Give, show me how to play that. I want to do that right. like any kid is.
0: And it's hard to see. It's hard to see the forest through the trees, so to speak, when you're right. learning. Like when you're learning a paradiddle, it's so unmusical. You right. know, when you first and start that's learning what he, it,
1: that's the most important thing he did to me. Is he said, okay, for instance, that's the a perfect example. He took a paradiddle, and he said, let me show you this. And he proceeded to sit down at this drum set and play for a good two minutes. And he said, I will never stop doing a paradiddle.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: My hands will always be playing right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. And he played a groove and a fill. Groove and a fill and a groove. And every fill was completely different. And every fill was killing. I was like, dang, I want to play that fill. (laughs) I want to know exactly what you just did. But he just did one right after another, after another, which... In itself, that, that moment was such a key thing for me because it's not just the idea of all the things you can do with a paradiddle, but it was the idea that everything he did was so not what I'd heard on a record. Mm-hmm. And it was still the same intent. It still had a great feel and great expression. Um, but you know, it's a, you know, he'd have a symbol hit in a weird place and it wouldn't go, you know, Pat Boone, Debbie Boone. It was, it was all creative and unique ideas. Mm-hmm. Just based off of the paradiddle, and I went, "Okay, now you got me. I'm, right. I'm hooked. I'm, I'm your, <laughs> now I'm your student. Show me, show me, show me, master."
0: Sure. I remember and, in Dugu and, Chancellor talking about that. I said, "How do you, you know, how do you get kids to to learn paradiddles, and how to, how do you get them to make it, you know, think that, how do you get them to make it think it's cool?" And he's like, "Just demonstrate it. Yeah, you know, eighty-seven different ways."
1: And that's it. That's exactly what he did. And so. So, yeah, that was – but, again, it was – I think anyone who has that fire in them that that, whatever you do, drummer or, you know, mechanic or what have you, if there's something in you that's just driving you to do it, uh, you'll learn. Mm-hmm. You'll become a sponge, whether you learn it from a teacher or whether you learn it from the records you listen to or, you know, the, the concerts you see or now with kids with YouTube, you know – with everything so available, you get kids now that are 12 and 13 years old that have the technical ability way beyond, you know, what, what I was doing at 12. Right. You know, I was considered a prodigy at 11, 12 years old. And, and if, when I see these kids now, like, you know, when I first saw that video of uh, Tony Royster. Oh, my God. The, the Guitar Center bit. It was that. in a minute. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I think I he, was t- he was 12 in that video.
1: Yeah, I remember being twelve and everyone going, Oh my God. And you know what? (laughs) Not even close. (laughs) It's like, I can barely do that now. Right, right. So. um, But that's it. It's because, you know, you get somebody that's got the fire in them that, and then you give them information. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to do it, you will learn. You will sit and you will learn and you will absorb it like a sponge. Right. The only thing that's missing in some of these young kids is the discipline of playing a song. And this is now like when I, when it comes to me teaching somebody, you know, I see these kids, I see, I've come across, God, I, I ran into, uh, uh, oh crud, I'm forgetting his name now. Um, uh, played with Stanley Clark and,
0: um, Harvey Mason? Ronald uh, Bruner. Ronald Brunner. Brunner.
1: Brunner. Keller, Ridiculous, ridiculous technician. But what I stressed, when I met him, I mean, I don't know that, I, like I said, I met him for like an hour. We're, we're acquaintances now. Nice guy, you know, ridiculous drummer. What I stressed with him at that point was, play a groove. That's great that you can do all those chops. Mm-hmm. And, and it will serve you if you use it right. But right. Right. Play a song. You know, mm-hmm. what would you do in a song? How would you play this groove? How would you make this groove more interesting? How would you make this, you know, if you heard someone give you a really cool bass line, how would you complement the bass line and, and stay out of the way of the melody and make sure the song, you know, is a great song? Right. And At- that's, that's still what's missing, and that's something I think that you need time. Mm-hmm. You need seasoning and, and just play, you know, <laughs> as... As Jeff Picard used to say, just play with anyone you can play. If they're kids in high school, if they're guys down the street, you know, it doesn't matter because it's all good. Right. Even if it shows you what not to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's that's equally important, if not more important.
0: Absolutely. Now, how how so, would you how do you suggest that people practice that kind of stuff? I mean, I know it, it takes time, and you know, it, it's not the stuff that happens overnight. But I always love to hear the approach of. How people really define their playing and or refine their playing. I'm sorry, and um, and you know, really make it, make it feel good and make it sound good, rather than just blazing all over the kit.
1: Well, you know, I I grew up playing to records. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever, put the radio on and just waited to see what song came on. Like I said, there was music in my house of all different kinds. So, I was willing to listen to anything and because i had such a a a passion for what i was doing i i sought out everything the other thing is right after i did this tv show i got into this cabaret type play here in la and we were at the roxy every sunday for about three and a half years cabaret that i was I play a barbara streisand song then i would go into something from a Broadway play, uh, you know Annie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, from that we'd go into an original number that was written for the show, and from that we would go into uh, a Billy Joel song.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you just never knew this. This show was had the capacity to bring anything out. And I'm 11, 12 years old, having to learn, you know, the music of Broadway. Right, right, right. And we don't think anything about it because we're just kids going, okay, that's a song. I have to play. Um, but in turn, it gave me this, this you know, this it opened my mind to the idea of I need to know all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I would approach, you know, learning, it was it was just that I I, would, I wanted to get into the reason why everything worked. Sure. So I'd play along, and I wouldn't just listen and go, "This is cool." I would listen and go, "Why is this cool?" And I'd ask my teacher. I'd, I'd ask Scott, or I would ask you know, other drummers that I knew, you know, what is he doing? Why is it, there's a certain, you know, Keltner and that lope that he has, that kind of swagger in his playing. Why mm-hmm. is it, what is it that, is that thing? Oh, well, it's because of this, because of that, you know. Um, Bonham and his sense of power in the way he played, even though he's not really, in his later years, he's not really hitting the drums that hard. Right. You know, in the sense that people think he's bashing his drums, and he's, he's not. He just had a sense, you know, a technique, the way he hit the drum, the way he approached the instrument, and it was his personality, and there was something that came out of him that was, you know, dynamics and power, and, and, and you know, so I would get into all of that. The other thing is, I started a band early as a kid. hmm You know, from that show, there was a guitar player. Hey, let's do a band. Okay, so we found all the people we could, you know, let's get a bass player. Right. We found a bass player. And just started playing.
0: Yeah. You know, I have a student. And, uh, I have a student that same deal. He started a band when he was like 10, you know, and now he's 16. And like these, these kids are killing, man.
1: Yeah, yeah like, exactly. They,
0: they play well, which is.
1: And it's not just playing that you learn, but it's also the communication. It's interacting with the and, you know, and having some guy tell you, hey, man, I'm trying to play something here. Give me some space.
0: Exactly. And Don't realize, stop stepping on my toes.
1: Yeah, and and because when you're young like that, you don't you don't always know how to communicate the right way. You kind of get you know your ass handed to you, so to speak.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: and you learn as you go along. You know, maybe I should rephrase that and talk <laughs> a better way. So, right, um, you know, or I'm never going to be in a band again. You know? Exactly. So are, there's a million things you learn just by going and finding some guys, and you know, and, and, and just do it. You know, you gotta, you really got. Just get out, get out of your comfort, and try stuff. And recognize that you're gonna, you're gonna fall. You're gonna make a mistake.
2: Mm -hmm. You're
1: gonna do something wrong. And if you don't learn anything from it, then you're gonna keep doing it. If you learn something from it, then great, good. It's it's good that it happened. And treat it that way.
0: Right. Who who cares if you fall on your face? You know.
1: Yeah. You know it'll heal. Get up.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Keep going. But more importantly, why did you fall? Mm-hmm. You know, stop and think about why did you fall? What, what, why did you make that mistake? What was it that that made that happen? That was the beauty of taping ourselves when we were kids. We just turned tapes on because we were thinking we're we're gonna write songs. It wasn't just that we were writing songs; we were also hearing what was good and what was bad. Right. Within the song and within our playing, you know, I'd do some big crazy fill that would totally get in the way of of what what we were trying to sing. And my singer would say it. Hey, man, keep putting that fill there, and I I can't hear the words. Right. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, maybe at that time my ego, you know, as a 13, 14-year-old kid, like, sing louder.
0: (laughs) Right, right. I'm doing my thing, so. (laughs) Yeah,
1: but as you get older, you start to realize, hey, maybe he was right.
0: (laughs) Right. And, you know, you start listening to this stuff, and, and even something that you think sounds so hip, and then you listen to it recorded, you're like, eh, that doesn't sound as cool as I thought it did, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know...
1: So that's it. With technology, I mean, you only need a laptop and, you, you know, a couple hundred bucks and you've got a recording studio and you can actually record your band, you know, and, and do it in detail and then sit down. But don't just record and go, this is cool. Sit mm-hmm. down and listen to it. Find out what's good about it, what's wrong, and, and compare it to things that, that you know, are known... You know, compare it to The Beatles, compare it to Zeppelin, compare it to Iron Maiden, compare it to Slayer. You know, whatever it is that you like, go back to why do you like it? Why do people listen to that? Mm-hmm. And, and not for the sake of copying, for the sake of finding out what it is that they did that works and how come you don't sound that good. Right. What is it that I'm doing wrong or what is it that they're doing different that's, you know, and break it apart. And somewhere within it all, you'll start to recognize that you have your own voice. Right. That your artistic integrity will come into you You'll say, well, you know, maybe I want to do it that way. Because um, that's who I am. You know, and if people get it, people get it. Mm-hmm. Not everybody gets the artist right away.
0: Right, right, right.
1: But somewhere, in the, somewhere along the lines, you have to start trusting yourself as well mm-hmm. and going, no, this is what I want it to do. You know, if without that, you wouldn't have these, these speed metal drummers playing that fast and, and pushing the envelope of, of, of dexterity right. you wouldn't have uh you know miles davis saying screw you i want to play it like this mm-hmm. you know, charlie mm-hmm. parker and uh you know it's it, there, there's a fine line between you know that it just sort of comes to you it, it's hard to really say you got to do this thing you'll you just got to trust and, and let the process happen
0: exactly exactly And, you know, I think a lot of people just want it to happen faster. And, you know, sure, you can accelerate your progress, but there's there's no replacing time and effort. You know, it's just. Yeah. There's no way to get there. You know, you can't get there in six months, you know.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is don't compare yourself to to someone like Tony Royster. or Don't compare yourself to, you know, to some kid that's like, you know, oh, my God. Because, you know what? some people some people get it faster right it doesn 't matter just mm-hmm. trust that you 'll get it just keep going and, and you know don 't let don 't let the time it takes you I mean you can apply that to anything in life you just just trust that you 'll do it and, and believe in yourself and have faith just just keep going
0: I totally agree, you know? totally agree, you know a lot of people. Or I've heard the saying numerous times where it it doesn't matter if it takes you five years to get there. Guess what? Those five years are going to pass either way. Right. You know, so like you might as well just you might as well work on it for the next five years, because either way, five years from now is going to be five years from now anyway. So,
1: yeah, yeah. (laughs) And it's our attitude once we get there is is always fascinating, you know, we, we want it so bad right now. We want it so bad right now. And we get frustrated and we allow that frustration to actually slow us down. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. Yeah. It's, you know, it's Dory from the, <laughs> from Finding Nemo. Just keep swimming. Just keep <laughs> swimming. <laughs> it's, it's silly and everything, but that's really it. Don't let the frustrations drag you down. Right. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just do it again. Now, s- half the time we don't even realize what we've learned. Every right time, we'll we'll go from point A to point B and don't realize we're at point B because <laughs> we're still we're still trying to get better. Uh huh. And so I mean, but that's what we're doing our whole lives. We're you know we're always trying to get better. I'm still trying to do certain fills that, you know, someone showed me back ten years ago, but I just haven't had the time to kind of go f***ing on that. You know, I remember he showed me. Uh, you know, and it, frust- it frustrates you, but at the same time, you know what? I'll get it. I'll get it. Right, I right, right. I work on it. And, so yeah, that's
0: it. Just- it it's funny because I'm I'm good friends with Brian Frazier Moore, who's just a monster player. Yeah. And oh then, yeah. So like I talk to him, like we'll you know we're on the phone talking about you know different stuff, and then like I'll go to like watch a video of him playing live, and I'm just like, oh my! I'm like, man, I'm never gonna get there. You know? And I'm like, I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. I'll keep trying. You know?
1: You know what else? You know it's a funny thing though. Um. I've, I've found throughout my life that those that when you, when you really, you know, if, if you really take that mentality, I'm never going to be that good or I'm never going to be able to do that, you won't.
0: I agree. I agree.
1: Um, you just have to like, let go of that concept and really ignore that idea. Because I've found that nine out of 10 times when I'm playing, when I'm really in an inspired moment, when the musicians around me are all firing on, and, you know, all cylinders, and it's burning. I've I've heard people play back things, you know, live recordings, and I, and I'm sitting there going, "Who's the drummer?" Right. Because <laughs> because I'm playing things that I, I never imagined I could do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're like man, I'm that guy sounds good.
0: It. Who is that?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like, wait, that that's me. That's my snare drum. Those are my symbols. You know. Right. But it's because I wasn't thinking about it. I was simply. Simply allowing the moment to be, responding to the musicians around me, responding to the audience around me, and just letting it happen.
0: Right, right.
1: And it's not that it's perfect. I'll find mistakes in there too. I'll find things like, oh, oh well, I know what I, I remember what I tried to do there.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> some, sometimes it just doesn't work. But you go and you keep going through it, and and uh, but that's, that's trusting yourself because some of the coolest fills that I've ever done, I have no idea what I'm doing.
0: Say, th- say that again. You, you cut up a little bit, would oh. you say?
1: Yeah, the plane going over. Some of the coolest fills that I've ever done on record, mm-hmm. I have no recollection of, of doing them.
0: Right. right. If
1: you ask me what I'm playing, I go, uh, well,
0: <laughs> Give me one on. second.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let me sit down and figure it out.
0: Right, right.
1: Because that's not what I'm thinking. I'm just, I'm just letting the moment happen and, and trusting myself and trusting the musicians around me and right and that's
0: and you know i the the mention of of having people that inspire you and that you watch them play and and you just think that they're amazing you know i think that's a better position to be in than to say i have no one to look up to and have no one to 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 push me and inspire me you know i look for i look for the uh the guys that are that are better players than me that's the guys i want to hang around with you know, that's the guys I want to I listen to and watch. Just to, um, to, for, for, to further my game, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I studied briefly with Greg Bissonette. Mm-hmm. And we were on a lesson, and it was interesting because at the time I was studying with him, I was already playing. I was already doing sessions, and I was already, uh, you know, I, I went for him, went to him kind of as that refinement thing. It was that, you know, I... Sort of push me over, you know, and clean up, you know, the last of it here, you know, right? Until I considered myself a seasoned season professional. Um, how we it. So let's Watch. Let's tell you what I'm doing. But again, Greg, uh, was like j- this guy, you're, you know? you're
0: cutting out again. What'd you say? Oh
1: God, <laughs> um, Greg was was one of those guys. He was the cat that you know, monster drummer, you know, sessions and. But he was, I love Greg because he'd do like a big band thing. And then he'd do a, a rock thing. You know, he does the David Lee Roth gig. Right, right, right. And then he's doing, you know, a total straight ahead jazz gig, you know, fusion-y thing. So that's what just blew me away about, about Greg is his ability to just walk from one gig to another and and read anything. He could read. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah,
0: I mean, he's a monster.
1: <laughs> he'd sit down and trying to Oh, yeah. Um. But while we were going over some stuff, he asked me to, you know, play this thing. Okay, I'm playing this thing. And he said, so to so show me some other stuff in regards to the subject. So I started playing fills and second or third fill in. And he goes, he goes whoa, whoa, dude, dude, hold on. What was that you just did? <laughs> I went, oh, uh, I think I did this. And he's like, oh, show me that. <laughs> and before I knew it, now we're trading licks. Now right. I'm just showing him this thing that, that I'd heard that I sort of, a variation on something that I'd heard from some other guy and added my own spin on it. Mm-hmm. And now he wants to know what it is. And that realization of, holy crap, I'm sitting down with one of these guys that I've admired and respected growing up and we're trading ideas as opposed to, you know, student teacher. Right. It, right, it right. became a little bit more than that. And it was that, was, that was the thing that I needed. It wasn't that Greg was going to hand me some secret information. It was just that sort of last bit of confidence of having somebody that I loved and respected go, what was that? Show me how to do that. And now he was learning something from me and it was like, okay, that's, you know, that key moment. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I still looked at him as, a, as you know, as a drum god and everything, he was still over me, but it was that little reality check of, okay, I can do this. Right. You know, I've I've kind of hit that point. Sure. Whatever it was, because it's, you know, it was just that point for that moment. It was still, there was still more to come. And there's always more to come. So.
0: I, I agree, man. I, I to, it's, it's, it's awesome when you're, you know, like you said, when you look up to these people and then next thing you know, now you're, you're having a conversation with them as, as an equal in terms of. At least the level level that you've reached, you know, Uh, maybe not necessarily as good of a player or whatever. But that, you know, at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter as long as as long as you're you're speaking to each other on the same level or playing at the same level as as some other people. Yeah, which is it's definitely an amazing feeling. Um, You know, I want to I want to talk about some of the stuff um, that you did as when you were a kid, cause I, or, or when you were younger, because I know that you did, um, a bunch of voiceover work, which is really interesting to me. Um, so I, let's talk about that a little bit, how that happened. And I also want to talk about the, the Santana stuff and, you know, Spock's beard and all that stuff. So we got, we still got a lot to talk about if you have the time. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> so let's start with the, with the voiceover stuff. Like how did you, how did that all happen?
1: Well, the, the, the TV show that I did right off the top, the, the, it, it allowed me to, uh, to join SAG and AFTRA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd always been kind of a ham. Right. So my folks said basically, you know. Would you be interested in doing like acting stuff or anything of that nature? Cause I had tried it a little bit when I was like five or six. And I, you know, it was just, too, you know, I was too young. Right. Had other interests, but now I'd kind of. Seen what it's like. I'd been on a set. Um. And I did have an interest in it. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. So we picked up an agent. Little did I know that the agent that I uh, I joined up was, a, was a, a starting agency. And I was one of the first kids that they took on. But there were three people that had all come from huge agencies. But we didn't know. We just got referenced from a friend. Right. And so I get this killer agent... Who starts throwing me out on everything. And I was just a toehead. I was a blonde kid. I was every kid. Mm-hmm. And they would throw me out on anything they could. And oddly enough, I'd start getting things. And I got a little, you know, a, you know one-off TV spot. Or I got a, you know, a, a two-line scene in a movie. Uh, and, you know, turns out I could do that. I, you know, I never considered myself a great actor by any stretch, but... Um, but nevertheless, I was acting. <laughs> nice. And a uh, couple years into it, my agent came and said, hey, have you ever considered doing cartoons? Well, I'm a cartoon geek. I love cartoons. Mm-hmm. So the idea of doing voices, I just went, God, sign me up for that. Nice. And so we went into they They happened to have a little booth at their agency, and we did a quick reel. They just gave me a bunch of you know, two or three lines from a handful of scripts. And I read, read the lines. We made a voiceover reel and I got the first thing I tried out for.
0: Nice. And how old were you at the time? 13. Wow.
1: And before I knew it, I was doing, uh, I had a regular, I was Henry big on the littles, Mm -hmm. which was a three year run series. Um, that same company would hire me for, random kids for things like the Transformers and G.I. Joe, um, Inspector Gadget, you know, anything that they that came through their offices if they needed a kid, they'd call, you know, there were two or three of us. They'd call us and we'd come in and do voices for them. Cool. And it's part of the, the music element as well that, you know, they would say something and I could just parrot it. I could just repeat it back to them. And so I didn't... You know, whine and whimper and bitch and moan like a lot of kids did. I'd walk in. I knew my way around a studio. I knew what a 421 was. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so they'd go, yeah, you know, go for the, you know, get yourself behind the thing. I'd situate everything. They, you know, the engineer didn't have to come out, set the mic up. I knew how to do it. And bam, here's the line. Knock it out. I'd knock it out. Second line. Second line. Cool. Thanks, Jim. And I'd be done. Nice. So you know sessions that take other kids a half an hour to an hour and I done five minutes. And for a long time that was there were these two or three producers that just called me for everything
0: That's pretty awesome. So how long did you do that?
1: Well I I'm actually still doing it to a certain degree not as aggressively. Uh, I'm up for a role right now on a I've done some anime stuff here recently and mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I never really stopped. I just, I just sort of poured my energy more into the music and, and, uh, you know, if something would come along, I'd go, yeah, yeah, it sounds great. I'll do it. Cool. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I stopped aggressively around 18, 19, somewhere in that range. Hmm.
0: That's interesting. So now how, uh, we, we had mentioned the, the Santana gig and how did that whole thing come about?
1: Um, a friend of mine started going to school at CalArts, Arts. Uh, great bass player, and while there, he met a great percussionist. This great percussionist happened to be friends with a thing uh, songwriter who was a, a Baha'i. Uh, Baha'i is a, a very cool religion. I have.
0: Say say that again.
1: Uh, he was a Baha'i. Okay. Which, uh, you know, seals and uh, Dizzy Gillespie was a Baha'i. Mm-hmm. Um, the cool thing about Baha'is is they they're a, a really tight knit community. And it's not that you have to be a Baha'i, but it's like you know, if you're a friend of him, then you're a friend of mine, kind of thing. Sure. And so once I started working with this guy, I you know he hooked me up with his cousin, who hooked me up with this guy, who hooked me up with that guy, and before. I knew him, I had met two guys, uh, Casey Porter and JB Echol, and JB used to tour with War. Mm-hmm. And, well, they always toured with, uh, you know, right alongside Carlos and that whole bit. So right, right, right. Carlos decided, I haven't made an album in a long time, I'm going to make a new album, and JB was a great songwriter, so he asked JB to write him some songs. Um, JB had alongside Casey Porter, who is sort of like, in the Latin pop world, he's He's the dude, right. you know, Selena. I did a record form for Selena. Um, he's done, you know, Ricky Martin. He's done Luis Miguel, you know, you name it. It just mm-hmm. goes all the way down the list. Um, so when they, by incorporating him, suddenly there was much more horsepower and, you know, so we went and tracked five songs. Uh, Mike played bass, Luis Conde played percussion, and we treated them as demos. But, you know, with Jim Scott engineering, it's not really going to sound like a demo. Sure. <laughs> um, and Carlos loved everything. Uh, the, the, we crossed our fingers that if he liked it enough, he would just keep our parts. Right. And he did. So.
0: That's awesome.
1: I actually never, I met him like two years later at a concert. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't meet him in the whole thing. So he starts touring and he came through L.A. And I sent out a note to his management and said, hey, you know, being as I helped him make The biggest album of the year, let alone the decade. Maybe I could get a couple tickets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, actually shake hands with the guy. And they were like, "Yeah, sounds great." Yeah, cool. And he was awesome. I I wish I'd met him on the session. It would have even been more fun. He's a fascinating guy.
0: He is. He is. He's a phenomenal musician as well.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it would have been. You know, would have helped the session process. You know, Mm -hmm. play Mm -hmm. a little better and, you know, his, his whole thing.
0: Yeah, that's a great record, though, man. I mean, the whole thing is—it's a really good record. You
1: should hear the songs that didn't make the record.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah, I would <laughs> love to hear them.
1: There's some other songs that we did that were even more, a little more cutting edge, a little more. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hope someday that that stuff will be available. I—it's mainly because of the stuff that 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 Mike played. Mike is such an unbelievable bass player, mm-hmm. and and kind of goes under the radar, but you know his brother, Jeff, so his feel, I mean, come on, he grew up with Jeff Procaro as his brother, his feel is unreal.
0: Right, right, right. He,
1: he's, he's a rare musician to where, you know, where'd you like to feel to be? I don't know, Mike. Where do you want to be? Doesn't matter where I want it. You just play and I'll follow you. Right. <laughs> yeah, I have no problem with giving up that, that concept to him. He knows right where the tempo is supposed to be. All right. all right. That's it.
0: Nice. You're like, well, that's where we're, that's where we're going to go with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's just, it's, yeah. And, and Mike actually also was a Baha'i, coincidentally enough. Hmm. Um, hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's just what an experience all around, you know, getting to work with him. I did, we did a couple of records with Mike and, jeez. You know, just a great soul and, and a great player and generous with information, generous with, uh, you know, yeah, just can't top that.
0: Awesome. I, yeah, man, I agree. I agree. It's it's nice when you find people like that that are just just on the level, you know, and and just they're just a pleasure to work with and that are super talented, which even makes it way better. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So now your your newest of gigs is um is Spock's Beard. So how long have you been with them?
1: That's funny. My newest of gigs. Um I've actually been with the band for 12 years. 12. Um but I was uh I was their touring drummer. I was the Chester Thompson of of uh, of Spock's Beard up until a few years back.
0: I got you
1: um, because Nick Di Virgilio had become the singer, but he was still the drummer. Mm-hmm. So when they would tour, he would take. We would have two drum kits, and he would play a certain amount, but I would basically carry on most of the performance, right? Um, as the drummer, uh, yeah, and we'd do the duet, you know, a big drum duet thing. Mm-hmm, and- mm-hmm. Well, he ended up getting. Uh, Cirque gig He's playing oh, okay. for Totem and uh, you know you can't deny that you know the, the paycheck is is really great right and you know turn around with family you know kids are getting a great education and so he did that for five years
2: hmm.
1: and it was also a gig in terms of you know great playing and he sang and it made Spock's beard impossible for him so I just took over the chair it was of a logic thing.
0: Right. So who was singing then?
1: Uh we started working with Ted Leonard. Um before because Enchant did a couple of tours with us.
0: Say and that say Dave, that again.
1: We uh Sorry. Ted Leonard is the different chant as well. And Enchant had done uh, some tours with us. And we were you know, he's just natural friends with him. He's such a really funny guy and, and great to hang around and and an amazing singer and, uh, coincidentally, a great songwriter, which was good because we, we needed it. And, and uh, Dave Maros, our bass player, was also in a cover band with him because they live very close to each other. So, yeah, when the whole thing came about, it was like, well, geez, let's see if Ted will do it.
0: <laughs> right.
1: So he filled in first. It was At first, it was just him filling in. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was obvious. We... we it it locked very easily. He's a he's a great personality and uh, and brought some great songs and still bringing great songs and yeah, it's it's a pleasure. It was all been very easy. There was there wasn't even auditions or anything. It was just, hey, want to do this?
0: <laughs> right, right. Just kind of slide into the into the position.
1: Yeah, and he's already a, a a good fan of the band as well. So it you know for him it was, you know it was a good thing because at least he already loved the music. So. Sure. Sure It wasn't like he had to you know there wasn't a big learning curve mm-hmm. in terms of well, this is what we do
0: <laughs> that makes it that makes it a lot easier, man
1: yeah, he already you know he was already playing the type of music that we did, and it was very easy right right so yeah, so we've we've already done one album with this lineup, and uh, we are very close to finishing the the next album, uh, looking at a summer release. Uh, <laughs> crossing our fingers for a summer release right. um, dates are being booked uh, for a tour in fall awesome we are already booked on the uh, cruise to the edge with yes and Alan Holdsworth and uh, Marillion and that's that will be awesome. a lot of fun I was going to say that's are the pretty best. awesome yeah, yeah the, we did we did the progressive nation cruise with uh, with Mike, Mike Portnoy and Transatlantic and all those guys nice john anderson and you know you just can't beat that you're on a cruise right you get all the benefits of the cruise it didn't cost you anything you're actually getting paid you get to do two gigs you get to see all these killer musicians and great bands and you know animals with leaders was still a brand new band oh really so you know walking down watching matt and those guys play and just going holy crap i don't even know (laughs) what he's doing (laughs) You know, but I mean, it's all over the place. So, yeah, we're looking forward to doing that again.
0: That's awesome. I think that um the first one that I ever heard of something like that was Jam Cruise years ago. Yeah, you know, that I, went on. What's that?
1: They did one of those right after us. Did they prepare? We were doing another one. Yeah, what? just to get great on yeah, all accounts. I mean, everybody wins in that whole thing because
0: yeah, that's a good know, time.
1: The, the, the people that. People on the boat were just going everywhere. What's
2: the way that? it's
1: arranged, it's like the way it's arranged, you get music everywhere. And even if you know, oh, my favorite band, my favorite two bands are playing at the same time, if you wait long enough, eventually they won't be, you know. And so, right. Yeah, you just can't beat it. What a great idea.
0: It's like a, like a, a music festival on the water, man. It's awesome. It's, it is a good idea. Totally.
1: And, and not just once, you know. If you're a big fan of of uh, whatever band, you know, you can see them twice. Mm-hmm. And then you can go, and then you can go have breakfast with them Yeah, you know, and yeah. hang out and chat and go. Hey, man, what snare drum are you using? Or, oh, that's cool. All right, you know. Right. You know. Or right. That, the fourth measure of the the second movement in the third song, you, you played a little <laughs> faster than usual. Is there a reason you did that? Uh. What? <laughs> a little too much Coke. Yeah, uh, Coca Cola. <laughs> got to remember to say that.
0: <laughs> a cola. Yeah, Coke, yeah. a cola. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so
0: now um, so do you teach do you teach privately as well?
1: I do. I not a lot. Um, it's a weird thing teaching for me. I love the concept of teaching. I'm I work a lot better in a group though. I I like the concept of a of clinic teaching or or large classroom teaching. Right. But then every time I've tried to get a a position at something like you know mi or or you know a college i don't have a degree because mm-hmm. you know by the time i hit college age i was already touring and doing sessions with the teachers right so it was kind of kind of weird um but it's it's kind of made it hard to get a position because they're hiring guys that have degrees and those are the guys that should get it you know sure they put in the time Hmm. but uh I've, the occasions that I have booked something or that I've started picking up a lot of students, I'll get a gig. And so it's like, oh. Uh,
0: I'll see you in six months.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, mean, it's, I just never really get a rhythm to what's going on. So, so the, the process of building up a clientele of students, um, it's, it's never been easy, which is not a complaint. It's, mm-hmm. it's a complaint only when in the lean times when you're going, God, I could really lose you some students right now. All right. You know, and then sure enough, you go, great, I got a couple of students. Oh, and then I got a gig. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's uh, like I said, you know, I, I could complain about <laughs> worse things.
0: Exactly. Exactly. But well, I, I wanna... love
1: the process. Sure. Sure. <laughs> you know, and I'm,
0: I'm actually a fan of the, the group setting as well rather than the one on one stuff. So I was just trying to to, to hip the listeners, too, if they want to if they want to study with you. Um, you know,
1: yeah, by all means. I mean, even if it's just once, you know, even or twice, you know, or you know, if it's something that you're, you know, if you're, if you're new and you, you just have questions like, What do I do? Where do I go? You mm-hmm. know, uh, where's the bathroom? You know, right, <laughs> you find me on Facebook, find me on my website. It's it's all good, it's easily done. And now, with technology, there's always time, even right. if I am on the road, there's always something that can be done.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, find me on on all those usual media outlets and just say hi.
0: Okay. So it's just say, Jimmy, say what you want just, do. just Jimmy Keegan.com, right? That's it. Cool.
1: And, and Facebook. I've got a, I've got a, a fan site. I hate that word fan. I know. I've got a fan site and a private site. Either one's good.
0: I started using, I started using, uh, artist page. That's what I call it. I have that's an artist much page. Much better. Yeah. I like that better. Because it, it's weird because it's, you know, they're, that's actually called a page. So, I don't know what your personal account is called. Is that you know? It's like it's my Facebook page, and it's like, well, is it like an artist page or like a fan page or is it a a personal page? So I don't think Facebook did a really good job of that. So there's because there's no real way to to discern the two, you know.
1: Yeah, I have so, both. It doesn't matter.
0: Right. Right.
1: It's you know, it's the same to me. Cool. It's <laughs> like Todd Zuckerman. You 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 see a he'll show a you know here's a picture of my daughter. I just got off the road. And, yeah, my daughter is so much bigger. And then you get from his from his artist page, here's a picture of my daughter. <laughs> right. <laughs> he just copies and pastes. Exactly. So it's all the same thing.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I think
1: because they only allow you up to five thousand people on on a personal page, that at some point you kinda have to do it.
0: That's so. that's the key. Plus there's a lot more analytics in the in the regular pages that you can check out to see who's looking at your page and all that. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a whole other topic. Sorry. So <laughs> But, uh, but, Jimmy, thank you so much for, for taking all the time to chat today, man. I really, I really do appreciate it, and I encourage all the listeners to check out jimmykeegan.com and definitely um, check out Spock's Beard if you guys want to you know, catch them while they're on the road and the new album coming out and, and all of that stuff. If,
1: if, I, if I may, real, real quick. You may. We, you may. Um, I'm doing a solo record. Nice. Um, I'm actually in the middle of a uh, campaign right now crowdsourcing that. Um, I've always been a singer, um, but finally decided, you know what, I'm going to actually be a singer singer. Right. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to do a solo record and, uh, you know, grab all my friends that I've met along the way, uh, singer songwriters and musicians and what have you. And, uh, yeah, I've started recording an album. So that's, that's kind of my next thing right alongside the Spox record, uh, that's the next thing. So if you go to my Facebook page or, or my website, you can get information. And if you don't feel like contributing, by all means, watch the videos because I have a lot of fun making them.
0: <laughs> cool. And I'll link and I'll link every podcast as show notes. So I'll make sure that I link to, um, to the campaign and, and to your Facebook page and all that stuff inside cool. the show notes so that people can find it and, uh, and support what you got going on because I know it's going to be great. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, some people don't get into the the whole, you know, front and money and everything like that, and that's fine. But still, you know, if you get a second, (laughs) watch the videos. (laughs) Right. Definitely. (laughs) Just because I try to make them silly and fun and entertaining and so. Nice. Just humor that side of my ego. (laughs) Like
0: I said, man, I'm sure that it's going to be great, and I'll make sure that everybody can can find it easily um, from Drummer's Resource to link to you, jimmykeegan.com, and check out your, what is it, Indiegogo or GoFundMe? Yeah, or Indiegogo. Indiegogo. Yeah, Jim, awesome.
1: Jimmy's Little Secret. Cool. That's the the code words.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
1: Awesome, Nick. Thanks for having me, man. Man,
0: thank you. It was, it was such a pleasure, and enjoy that, enjoy that warm uh, California weather.
1: Yeah. As you say that, a cloud is coming over and we're probably going to get rain again. The temperature is oh, dropping oh. to, a, to a, a brisky 70 degrees. Uh,
0: I think my, uh, my phone's cutting out. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, cool, man. All like right, I man. said, enjoy your day. Thank you so much for, for being a part of this, man. I really do appreciate it. and I appreciate the support of the podcast.
1: My pleasure. Anytime, anything, uh, Any way I can help, let me know.
0: I appreciate it. Thanks, man.
1: Take care, Nick. All right. Thanks.
0: You too. Bye-bye. There you have it, Jimmy Keegan. Be sure to check him out at jimmykeegan.com. And if you're interested in saving 15% of your order at bosodrumsticks.com, the world's first full line of Boso Drumsticks, head over there and use the... Promo code podcast, and that'll save you 15% off of your entire order. Also, if you have a second, please leave me a rating or a review on iTunes. It really helps for the podcast to show up higher in the search results. And it looks good when people are seeing the podcast and want to know if they want to check it out. So a rating and review on podcast would be awesome, and I would really, really appreciate it. Check me out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash drummers resource. I'm on Instagram at drummersresource and on Twitter at drummers R Source. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.